Welcome to the One City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people draw closer to God by practicing the way of Jesus. We hope that your time with us blesses you and that you're able to see the invitations of Jesus to experience the love that he has for you. One of my favorite parts about being a pastor is that it allows me to connect with so many amazing people from all parts of the world. It is a true privilege to be able to hear the stories and get to know them. I have a dear friend that I've known for over 10 years. This man has known me from the beginning stages of my faith and actually continues to be a huge support and source of encouragement to us here at One City Church. He's a humble man whose job is just as humbling. My friend is a landscaper. He mows grass, plants, and replants for flowers fixes sprinklers, and really does all that he can to make people's yards look the best they can. This is a job that requires my friend to be outside on cold winter days, just as it requires him to work in the summer as temperatures near 100 degrees. My friend often works from sunup to sundown. I recently spent some time with my friend, and since his schedule is very full and mine is somewhat flexible, We met in one of the residential neighborhoods where he works while he was in between clients. He was sharing with me a story that day that left a real impression on me. The story was about an appraisal that my friend went out to do with a potential new client. The appointment was very standard, but what he told the customer at the end was, to me, rather extraordinary. He told the customer that when he leaves a home, he likes to look back and see the art that he just created. He likes to see if there's anything that that he might have missed before the owners come home and see the finished product. That is his level of commitment and service. This passing comment showed me the love, the passion, and the pride that he takes in his work. Thinking about it actually made me question my own work. I started asking myself if I see what I do as a work of art for you, our church members. Do I use the workplace as a canvas in which I have about eight to ten hours in my day to create a work of art? In the book of Genesis, God created everything from nothing. It took him only six days to create the galaxies, the earth, and all living things, including us. Then God took a day to rest. God said to humanity, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on from the ground. One of the key takeaways from our story of origin is that we are essentially created to work. Work is an essential part of our lives. Our work is not just a means for financial gain or financial provision, but our work is also an essential life responsibility. There is nothing inherently wrong with working, but the issue that we face is when we allow our work to define who we are, for our work to create our identity, for our work to become our sole focus of our lives. We get to the point where we spend our entire lives working and we forget that there's a life to be lived outside of our work. We live in a piece of the world where we have the opportunities to pursue any career that we want. And with some small exceptions, be able to be anything we want to be. If we want to be our own bosses, we can start our own businesses. 
If we want to work from home, we can find jobs that are remote. The possibilities are everywhere. In his book, The Second Mountain, David Brooks talks about this in great detail. The goal of the first mountain are the goals that our culture endorses. To be a success, to be well thought of, to get into the right social circles, and to experience personal happiness. It's all the normal stuff. A nice home, a nice family, a nice vacation, good food, good friends, and so on. But as followers of Jesus, we need to bring to Jesus, we need to bring Jesus with us into our workplace. Many of us already want to do this. The problem is, we just don't know how to. This issue comes from the compartmentalization that exists between our spiritual lives and our real life. In other words, we seem to separate the two. We seem to think that our spiritual lives are the things that we do in our quiet time, with our small groups, with our Bible studies, our church services. And everything else after that, outside of that, is our real life. People are torn between loving what they do and serving God. We are confused about what our calling and more importantly, how our calling impacts our lives as followers of Jesus. This becomes more difficult to understand when our Christian traditions teach people that things like going to church, being in a small group, going on a mission trip, serving, etc. is not regular work, but it's kingdom work. This terminology creates the idea that regular work and work on behalf of the Lord are entirely separate and different. You've all, I'm sure you've come across somebody that's said, man, I've been called by God to fill in the blank. Or God has called me to fill in the blank. Personally, when I come across these sorts of statements, something inside of me just kind of shuts down. It makes me personally feel distant from God because, one, either I haven't heard God call me to do anything like that with so much conviction, or two, I actually deeply desire for God to speak to me like that. And based on those things, then I wonder, man, what am I missing? That God hasn't or doesn't speak to me like that. We often think that in order to pursue the kingdom of God, our calling has to be something that is done within the church. For some people, this can be really conflicting because their love and passion is truly in what they do. They enjoy where they are working. They feel a sense of purpose. But it conflicts with the pressure of needing to do something that is spiritual in order for them to mitigate the guilt that they might be feeling. So let's take a little closer look. The word vocation is derived from the Latin word vocatio, which means calling. So a good definition for this is our vocation, what we do, is our calling. The examples that we see in people of the Bible like Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Paul, to name a few, are people who were directly called by God to do specific things. We have somehow made them the rule. This creates a specific view that suggests that our calling can only be missional things for God in and through the church. We look at the calling that these men had, these men and women had, and the things that they did for God and feel like they set the mark of what a calling from God looks like. 
But maybe, just maybe, the calling that we see these men and women and those people that say God called me to do, you know, fill in the blank. What if they're the exception and not the rule? What if the callings that we see in people's lives are a small part of a bigger picture? That small part being an intimate moment with Jesus that they had. This moment was a rev- moment of revelation of how their relationship with Jesus will express itself in what they do. Because our vocations, our jobs, and what we do are an expression of our calling. Now let's take a look at a short story um, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 to through 22 where we see jesus showing us exactly what our calling is as followers of him it says as jesus was walking along the sea of galilee he saw two brothers simon who is called peter and his brother andrew they were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen follow me he told them and i will make you fish for people immediately they left their net and followed him Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was walking along the shores where he saw two brothers who were working away. These brothers were doing what generations had done before them, which was fishing. But what should draw our attention is how the author Matthew uses this verb, that he saw them. Jesus saw them. He saw their hearts in the same way that he sees you, in the same way that he sees your heart. He knows that you're unique. He sees that you're not made to be like anyone else but you. He delights in that. More more importantly, he delights in you and what you find your joy. He delights in you and in your desire to sing, to write, to be a stay-at-home mom, for you to be a teacher, for you to have your own business, because he sees that you find joy in what you do, that you find purpose in what you do. Jesus sees you and isn't asking you to choose between work and church work. He's blessing you in what you're doing right now. Jesus calls them, Jesus calls to them. He says, follow me. And I will make you fisher, fishers of men. Jesus' call to follow them is the same call that he has for all of us. It is a call that began all the way back in the book of Genesis, at the beginning of everything. A call to be in union and communion with God. But Jesus here is making this call uh, accessible to all. In other words, he's inviting us to always be in relationship with him. To follow Jesus is a call to himself. It's a call to live a continuous life learning from him how to live in the presence of God in all that we do. Our calling primarily is to be in relationship with Jesus. That is our first and foremost focus. To learn to live in the kingdom of God, which is to be the people who live in the presence of God wherever we go. This is where our vocation becomes an expression of our calling. What we do is the place where we take the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God lives within us. You see, we reach, we build it 
by the way that we live out our faith in our workplace. We express our individual relationship with Jesus by the way that we treat those around us. When Jesus says that I will make you fisher, um, fishermen of men, specifically to Peter and his brothers, he wasn't trying to be quotable or tweetable. What he, what he was actually aiming for was he was just trying to be relatable to them. He was just trying to relate to them using common language, which for us translates to us being able to reach people, serve people where we are in our workplace. The way that we love people, pray for people, serve people, respond to people, is the way that we minister to them exactly where we are, whatever it is that we're doing. Because the word ministry means service. How we serve believers and non-believers alike is our responsibility. This is how we show Jesus' love to those around us, by the way that we serve them. Our ministry and service is done everywhere and anywhere. Jesus doesn't care so much about what we do as much as are we doing it with him. In Colossians 3.23, Paul instructs, and he says this, he says, Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ himself. The sullen servant who doesn't shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. This verse is key. That no matter what we do, we do our best and we do it for the glory of God. I want you to take a moment and let that sink in. That no matter what we do, we do our best and we do it for the glory of God. Because doing our best brings glory to God. Look at what Paul says. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. That means that when we go to our work on Monday, the person who looks over our work is not a real boss because Jesus is. He invites us to work hard and passionately. This is what my friend does. He's a devout Christian who does kingdom work for Jesus by giving his best to his customers. And that is how he brings glory to God. You see, our passions, our callings can be anything. They can even change from time to time throughout the course of our lives. But we can still serve God exactly where we are. That may mean in a job we don't like. It doesn't matter. We can still serve Jesus. Now, I'm not saying to stay in a job that you hate with people who are difficult or perhaps immoral. Again, we live in a broken world. It just means that there's kingdom work to be done there as well. See, most people think that they need to stop and drop everything to pray, especially when they're wanting to bring God into, into the workplace. But that's impossible. It's hard. Some of your works demand you to be 100% focused. You're responding to emails. You're, you're, you're face-to-face with people. It's hard to set that expectation. But prayer does become the way that we get to engage with God and bring him in and usher his presence into our workplace. Not saying to stop completely everything that you're doing. 
But what would it look like for you to take 10, 15 seconds every hour or every other hour and just simply bring awareness that Jesus is present in your backyard? Think about that. Just take 10 seconds or a breath. This is why I think breath prayers are so important. Because they speak on our behalf. They connect with God. They, 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 they align us. They, they bring us back in line with the presence of God. So let's think differently about our kingdom work. Because the reality is that we, have all, we all have opportunities all around us to serve God, to work for Him. And as we do this, something incredible happens along the way. We get closer to God, which in all truth is our ultimate purpose here on earth. For me, maybe I haven't heard God tell me exactly what to do. But my focus now is doing the absolute best that I can in what I'm doing with Jesus as my primary focus. In doing this, I bring Jesus with me more deeply into my life, which includes my workplace. To end, uh, you know, my friend, he, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a great sense of humor. He says that depending on the day, sometimes, you know, he, he's a witness to beautiful sunsets. So he takes a picture and posts that stuff on Facebook. And he always captions it the same way. He says, the view from my office window. And I thought that was pretty clever. I thought that was pretty like, yeah, I just thought it was clever. But he was saying how there's he he's baffled by the amount of responses that he gets from people that he's like, well, you don't have an office. Oh, you're outside. Like people just don't get it. But to me, I'm like, man, it just go went to speak that even this man at the end of his day, He's able to look up at the sky and just acknowledge that God, that Jesus is ever present in his life. And by looking at the sunset, by looking at the sky, he's just kind of like bringing himself to remember what this is all about. So the practice for this week is prayer. So this week, I invite you to join me to be a little bit more intentional about bringing Jesus into your lives. Can we shift our focus from our productivity or the results that we get to bring Jesus into every space? Let's see how much kingdom work we can do in the service of Jesus and where that leads not only us, but those around us. It might mean not being so quick to respond to a passive-aggressive comment or a passive-aggressive email or someone who just really can't control their emotions and they're yelling and they're angry and all that is just being directed at you. That's what it means to be Jesus-like in the workplace, to love people through those challenges. I get it. Our work looks different for all of us. We're all under different pressures, different deadlines, and carry different responsibilities. But for some, what you do requires you to be focused full-time from when you start to finish. 
And I just want to kind of encourage you to take a moment and think, what would it look like or how can you invite Jesus into that space? What does bringing Jesus into your workspace look like? I think this is where prayer helps us. Because prayer is the bridge that moves us from being aware of Jesus in our lives to living in his presence. We all need to do, all we need to do is just spend a few seconds praying, asking Jesus to be present in our lives. And he will honor that. It's about choosing to see him in the interactions that we have and our reactions. In the meantime, some of us will be called and led to leave our jobs and go into the missionary field. But for the most part, God can use us right where we are because that is our mission field. We can also find joy and purpose in what we do. We don't have to feel bad or guilty about enjoying our work. We can usher in the kingdom of God that is in our hearts by the way that we live out our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your love and your kindness. And creating all of us to be different, to be unique, to have different passions. It's because of those passions, Lord, that we get to do whatever it is that we want. Some of us work as nurses. Some of us work in the hospitality field. Some of us work mowing lawns. Some of us in construction. You name it. Some of it's out of necessity, some of it's out of just a passion. Regardless, Lord, we have the ability to experience you in that workplace. Give us the strength, show us the way on how we can reflect what you're doing in our lives into the lives of those around us. Lord, I pray a blessing over our church family, over our community. May you continue to fill them with your spirit, God, so that your word who you are, your life, Jesus, be known and your name be glorified through the way that we're living out our faith as a church family. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.